you know, you got to become completely well-rounded. If you're going to continue to grow and become the person that you're meant to be, you have to continue to be uncomfortable. Everything has to be developed. Like you can have this natural ability to do stuff, but if you're not investing in you and continuing to develop those muscles, like leadership and discipline, you can lose it. It's a diminishable skill. So you always have to be willing to invest in that. Less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor interview. Let's give listeners a little update really fast. So Martin's AC is still out. I think I mentioned that in the last episode. Um, it's 11 Your days. unit was as old as me. Uh, <laughs> uh, same, yeah, probably almost the same month. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and But you're getting it in today, maybe? Well, the unit arrived. They're having to build the curb, so... Uh, I don't know how long that takes. They've been fabricating it for a while. But. And you're always wearing suit, no tie, but blazer jacket blazer. and button-up yeah. and pants. And every time I've seen you at your office in the last two weeks, you've been polo and shorts and sneakers. It's actually shorts been refreshing. Pants, man. You're taking yeah, it easy yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, I've little updates for me. Uh, celebrated seven years anniversary with my wife. That's great. Are you kidding me? I know, man. Time flies. That's been seven years? Seven years, man. I know. Wow. I also shaved my mustache. I had a mustache going for a long time, uh, but that's now gone. Um, my wife had executive decision that as we celebrated seven years, she said, it's time. <laughs> uh, and then what else is going on? We had a great weather the past weekend, but it has just been, I hate how hot it's been. I yeah. mean, it's just too much. And you're, well, you have no AC. <laughs> yeah. It was 106 outside and 94 inside. So I guess I guess that wasn't too bad. Gosh. There was a drop there. A little insulation there. Well, um, Martin, we got, we got Ron on our podcast. Ron, welcome to the show. Hey, it is great to be here. I am, I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah. And we, I was thinking, too. Martin, I mean, you guys are more dressed up. I mean, when he said something about... I was, I'm more dressed for the beach. I live by the beach and I'm thinking you might be a little overdressed. <laughs> well, but now I understand. Yeah. yeah. Well, this, I'm, I will say I'm typically, I've got just a t-shirt on, but, uh, my wife got me a new polo and threw away the one that I, the only other polo I wear. So seven uh, years, man. Yeah. Seven years. So we're looking good. Now I will say, so Ron, I was on your podcast, Construction Champions, which we'll talk about. Uh, later in the show, but Martin, this this is one of the most positive, uplifting, energetic people you will have a conversation with. I mean, I have uh, I've heard your podcast. Oh man, the intro yeah, last was one awesome. I listened to was the uh, was the man who has ten rules, not ten rules, but ten principles. Uh, that wasn't mm -hmm. that wasn't Mike Cotty, was it? No, that, that was, was uh, Caleb Foss. Okay, mm. yeah. yeah, he was he was pretty good. Yeah, I yeah, for being, I mean, he's just a kid. Yeah. I mean, he's 20, 23, 24 years yeah. old and just killing it. That's awesome. That's really cool. I think uh, that energy that you bring, I'm sure, translates to your team and throughout your career. So I'm excited to hear about that. But let's, you know, let's tell our listeners who you are and, and what you do today. Yeah, absolutely. So 
I'm a United States Marine that spent just over a decade in residential construction, and now I own a construction software company. So <laughs> when I, hey, that's a huge gap to fill there. So how all of that goes down is I went to the Marine Corps a little bit later in my life. I was about 23 when I signed up. And my bunkmate at Paris Island in School of Infantry actually introduced me to my wife, who we've now been married for 15 years. And when I ended up getting out, I ended up in Michigan. I'm originally from Akron, Ohio, had no plans on going back to Ohio, let alone farther north of where <laughs> I ended up. Uh, but that's what got me down the road of construction. So I was looking for what's that transition look like? Like my exit I the Marine Corps wasn't what I was planning on. It's just that's how it ended up happening. So I needed to figure out what do I do next? And I was looking, I went back to detailing cars, which is what I had done before the Marine Corps. And it's just, I didn't think it just wasn't getting it done for me. And there was this ad on Craigslist, you know, I date myself there on when I got out in 2011, <laughs> where I was looking for jobs. <laughs> and it was for uh, foreman and training. And for like two weeks, I just would look at it and I went and apply. And then finally one day, I'm looking in the mirror and I was like, damn it. If you wanna go be a foreman in training, you can. You're a United States Marine, why not? Why can't you go do this? So I applied for the job. Uh, I got the job, mainly on the fact that I was a Marine. Uh, everybody else that was being hired was graduating with construction management degrees. Uh, here I am, high school diploma, four years in the Marine Corps, deployment to Iraq, no construction experience, but I was hungry and I was looking for like, where, where can I go fit in? And it really made the transition out. I, I talk about it a lot and I highly recommend if you're getting out of the military, the, the construction industry is the perfect place to go. Because it's a lot of the same mentality. It's hard. There's a lot of discipline involved. And if you apply yourself and continue to grow, there's a lot of places you can go. So I then spent about 12 years and I've done everything from digging the hose to running the company. I, I went in with a chip on my shoulder because I didn't know anything. I didn't have these construction management degrees, but I had an understanding to learn and to just go out and every day get better. And that's what I did. And I just kept doing that and went from just a laborer to a foreman, to a field supervisor, to production manager, to running the company, to sales. And I just took every opportunity that came and I just kept getting better and better. And, you know, communication is the number one problem in construction. And that's what led me to founding Buildercoms and creating the software that I now have. And it, it's just a continued path, a continued path of just growth and always striving for what is that next level. And I grew a passion for helping the industry, not just working in the industry. I, I really, I've become passionate about now I can have a bigger impact throughout the entire construction industry. And that excites me. It's why I do the podcast now. And it's why I'm so excited a lot of the times when people talk to me. It's because I feel like we're on the cusp of real greatness throughout the construction industry. I know there's a lot of talks about hiring people and all of that. That's been going on for years, but I think there's a real mindset shift happening around construction in the trades. And that excites me because that's what I want to see. Hmm. 
What do you feel like that mindset shift is? And there's so much to unpack here, but you mentioned that mindset. What is that mindset shift? So I, I think, you know, for years I got tired of my wife worked in plastic surgery. So we would go to these events and like, you know, we're running a $25 million a year construction company. And I got doctors laughing me out of the room because I work in construction. And I always thought that was BS. And I, I always thought that was a, a mindset around the industry that when the greatest guys I know and some of the greatest business guys I've ever met are in the construction industry. And I just don't think we get the credit mm. that's deserved for that because it's the construction industry. Yeah. But I, I'm starting to see that shift. And I, I see a word in the next 10 years where the high level construction guys are going to be in the same sentences as doctors and lawyers, and they're going to be looked upon completely different with that mindset shift of these guys, are they guys run huge hundred billion dollars, hundred million dollars, billion dollar companies with great margins. And they're just fantastic human beings. Yeah. And they just don't get the credit that's deserved because of the industry they chose. And that blows my mind. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, even if you think about just like the the decisions that you make as a young individual that's entering college maybe, or, you know, your twenties, I think personally, maybe one of the smartest things you can do is get into the trades with what mm -hmm. the way that schooling is working right now. And the way that college is so expensive, you can work your way up through a company without getting any debt and right away be making a very good salary if you choose the right profession, uh, in construction. So, um, that's a whole nother conversation. I want to go back to really your experience running that company and even beforehand. Let's let's really talk about that company specifically. It was, you know, any, you said everything below uh, the home. So the foundation, basement, um, et cetera. Tell me about like your first days getting started in there and like what your mindset was working at this company. You said that you, you, you won the job over a lot of people getting construction management degrees, stuff like that. What was the day in, day out like for you? So day one... I spent 12 hours behind an HVAC or a heater in a basement with a jackhammer pounding up concrete <laughs> with the sole expectation is would I come back the next day? Wow. <laughs> like and then the, the expectation day, for you or the expectation yeah. by the employer? No, yeah, yeah, the expectation was would this guy come back? I mean, do you think it was a test? I mean, absolutely. Oh, okay. I know it was a yeah. test. After <laughs> spending as much time as I did, you know, slates become clean. And you find like it was just to figure out if I was going to cut it. And then the next day was spent going up the stairs with five gallon buckets, carrying that concrete out. So, you know, people try to break you. And, you know, the only thing that kept me in there was I was a United States Marine. And every time it really sucked, I was like, I'm not going to let any of these kids they weren't kids. They were my age, but I'm not going to let any of these guys that just graduated college be able to go somewhere and say, oh yeah, I outworked this Marine. He couldn't hack it. Mm. And truly, I think that's what kept me around was that mentality of, I didn't want anybody to be able to go say that. So wow. I just stuck it out. And eventually you gain the, you gain the respect. They understand that you're there to learn and get the job done. You're not just there because it's a job. Wow. Is that practice, was that common at the company uh, with other individuals too? And did that carry on as you began to 
become higher up in the company or is it just something that happened with you? I think that's old, that's old school construction mentality. Yeah. We're talking back in 2011. I mean, it was, it's one of the things I say, like the, the military and the Marine Corps and transition into working in construction, there's so many correlations because it's like really hard. You have this, the same mindset of like, oh, we is, are they going to break before they make it? Mm -hmm. uh, and that mentality that you learn in the military is you're not going to break because you've already been broken down and built back up and you know if you can do that you can do anything so i think that is just a culture of old school construction that is luckily a lot of that's starting to move out of the way yeah um definitely different in companies i've seen i don't i think it's even hard to get people to <laughs> maybe stay on the jackhammer for a couple hours sometimes. And it does take that mentality of someone who's been through a really hard life experience or just has that hunger like you had coming out of the Marines. I think we see that a lot. And, you know, migrants these days or individuals from uh, different countries, they come here and they're like, Hey, I'm going to earn this paycheck for my family or, you know, they've got their own life experiences. So, uh, mm -hmm. very interesting to see. So you, you got into operations, at the company and became an operations manager for a few years. What was that path like? And what was your day to day like as the operations manager? <laughs> so, I mean, we were in the process of scaling from a few million a year to over 25 million and plus it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, we went from five crews to over 30 crews in a few years and hiring rapid growth. We did everything in house. So, it was crazy. It was 80, 100 hours a week of pretty much insanity until you start to understand systems and you start to figure out how all of that stuff works. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was crazy, as anybody can attest. Like, it's like you're in uh, a boat in the rough waters all the time and you're just trying to figure out how to keep it afloat uh, and the boat keeps getting bigger <laughs> and the water keeps staying rough. Uh, so yeah, it's 4 AM to eight o'clock at night and then on the phone the rest of the time. <laughs> hey, when you're, when you're going from five to 30 crews, uh, can you talk about some of the specific things that you confronted, uh, that resulted in you developing or somebody developing the system, but the specific problems yet that you had? Yeah, so leadership. Uh, leadership is a, a problem. From a perspective of going out and bringing leaders in is a mistake. I learned that firsthand. Like, you can't, not that you can't, you can, but I wouldn't advise it to go out and hire leadership and bring them in and then try to teach them what you do. Uh, making the decision to start to develop leaders within the company, taking guys that wanted to be leaders, that had that desire, and start getting them on pace and educating them on what, what does a leader look like uh, and working through that, creating your own field supervisors, creating your own foreman, create, just having a, a wheelhouse of that next layer of leadership as the company develops is very important. And I think we do it too late. 
Like we look at this and we think like this is all going to be easy as we grow. I'm going to be able to move this person into this role and they're going to do this. Well, they might not want to do that. And chances are they're probably not the right person. So having an understanding on your staff, personality-wise, who all those players that eventually could be in leadership roles and then having those conversations of do they even want to be in a leadership role. I mean, I made a many mistakes. And I'll tell you, one of the main ones is like, you know, just putting people in charge that I thought should be in charge, but literally didn't really have a desire to do that. But they wanted the pay bump and they wanted the job title. Right. What, what do you think they spotted in you that made them say, hey, here's a candidate. We're going to do it. We're going to make the move here and move you up to the first step up. <laughs> I'm a killer, man. I'm, I'm a, <laughs> I get the job done. Like that, that literally is why, like, I, I continued to educate myself. I checked all the boxes, anything that was laid out in front of me, like as a, a test or a procedure to, to work your way into that, I would do it and I would get it done and I would come in before the deadline and there wouldn't be any issues. So I just excel, I, I just person or excellence, excellent on the excellence on the job site. And, you know, when I took over, I wasn't ready. Literally, I was not ready for what was about ready to happen. But luckily, I had the mindset of continuous education. And I was reading 60, 70 books a year. And I was doing everything that you have to do to start to become that leader. And, you know, I would be a lot better at it today than I was then. <laughs> but I think that's how we should be. Like, you should always be able to say I would be better. But I truly the reason I came up the way I did was I just always got the job done and I did what needed to be done. Mm -hmm. And I just had an understanding for it all. And by doing that, I gained, I gained respect from everybody around. So all the guys that were already there, I was in an environment where they already looked at me as being a leader in the company. So it was a natural correlation to just continue to move up through. So what, once they put you in a leadership role, I presume that means you have a crew. Maybe that's the place you start. What was your biggest challenge? Uh, you said they already respected you, but you had did people buck up against it. You know, you used to be standing shoulder to shoulder, and now you're, well, you probably still are, but you might be up at the uh, at ground level talking to the customer, right? What What was your biggest challenge? When so, you, you know, the, from a crew perspective, being a foreman running a crew, I think the biggest challenge is the that separation that you talk there. Like you're still on the job site. Like I was a working foreman, so I was still there, but I had other responsibilities. And to be able to make it so guys understood that you're not just passing work off onto them, like you have other stuff you have to do. So I always tried to do what my guys didn't like to do. So when I had a crew, I would talk to them and I'd be like, what is it that you absolutely hate to do? And then I would do that stuff. Because a lot of times, like what they didn't like to do is the stuff I didn't mind doing, which is typically the hardest part of anything. And that's just kind of in my, my mentality. Like, I'll just do the hard stuff. So that starts to create some of that camaraderie there. And then like when they have to do that stuff, because you have something else you have to do, whether that's with the customer or the paperwork, or 
they know you're not just giving them that job. I think that's what we, I saw all too often with my new foremans was they immediately thought, Hey, I'm a, I'm, I'm the foreman now. I don't have to do the hard stuff. And that's wrong. Like you have to do the hard stuff more now than you've ever done it. So guys know you're still there and you're still willing to do this stuff. And you're not just giving them the work because you don't want to do it. Yeah. So did you just have that understanding naturally or is that from the, I mean, that's really sophisticated. That's uh, Simon Sinek's book, uh, Leaders Eat Leaders Last, Last, right? He's Great book. Yeah. Love that. But I mean, did it just happen to you? Did you read about it? Uh, was it natural for you to do that? I think that's just kind of naturally my leadership style, but everything has to be developed. Like you can have this natural ability to do stuff, but if you're not investing in you, and continuing to develop those muscles, like leadership and discipline, if you don't work those muscles, you can lose it. It's a diminishable skill. So you always have to be willing to invest in that. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, two of the biggest things I think for leadership are uh, walking the walk, which is basically what you were doing. You know, you're not asking anybody to do something that you wouldn't do, but then also just putting the time in. Uh, time is the currency of leadership, right? And you were taking the time to ask people, hey, what is it that you don't want to do, right? And just even having that, <laughs> that mindset of I'm going to help this person focus on what they want to do and what they're comfortable with or whatever, so that when they are asked to do something uncomfortable, they're not coming up from a place of I'm exhausted, I'm burnt out. Oh, no, he did it. I can do it now. He cares about me and what I'm doing, you know? So just really great um, leadership qualities there uh, that are excellent to see. So you, you uh, foreman, then operations manager, where you're basically running the company, uh, going from five to 30 crews, but then you pivot into sales for a few years as well. So tell me, tell us about that transition and what that was like. Uh, well, you know, you got to become completely well-rounded. Like if you're going to continue to grow and become the person that you're meant to be, you have to continue to be uncomfortable. So moving to the sales department, like that was the natural correlation. Like if you're going to continue to grow, what, how do I continue to round off my skill set? The goal always should be is to be able to have a good understanding on everything in the company, no matter what, you don't have to be the expert at it, but you should understand it enough to be able to have a conversation and have done it enough that when you sit down and talk to somebody, they can't BS you and you can say, no, hey, I, I've sat at the table with the mm -hmm. homeowner. Yeah. Like I, I've been there. So that was a box I felt like I needed to check. So I went and checked that box. How did, how did your, you, how did the CEO, the you know owner of the business handle you? <laughs> Probably one of the best operations managers he's had, I would imagine. Uh, Hey, I want to move into sales. I don't want to do operations anymore. How did that work out? I, I mean, it, it was just a conversation that, and then, you know, it made sense as you start having that conversation and, yeah. you know, it's all about training replacements and I've trained multiple replacements. I've had replacements leave and go become competitors. And mm -hmm. I've had like, it, it, it's about always developing a better system. And, it, and what I understood was in order for us to go and continue growing, I had to get out of that role. Uh, like as the, as that role, I was doing way too much. We were, we were capping the company in my mind. 
because we were not making necessary hires because I was handling a lot of stuff that would be considered outside of your wheelhouse. Yeah. Just because that's how I am. Like I would just get it done. But I knew that by doing that, it was going to inhibit the long-term growth. Like my capacity is only so much. So literally when I walked away from that role, there was four different people that my roles got disseminated amongst and I had to train all of them on different aspects of what I was doing. So then that now creates a catalyst for the company to be able to grow because now we have four people handling what one used to do. Mm-hmm. It starts to create an environment where growth can happen. Yeah. And then it allowed me to move over and grow in another way. Yeah. Man, that's so good. We talk about that concept so much in our podcast of uh, firing yourself, essentially, you know, and that's essentially what you did is move out of your, you know, operations manager position uh, into a different role in the company so that other people could take over those responsibilities that you could actually have a systemized business rather than something that's, you know, got you as the linchpin that as soon as you're out, (laughs) things crumble. Um, So really fantastic. What what was sales like? What, how did you, what were the challenges for you when you moved into sales? Uh, just having a real understanding of how everything works operationally, production wise, insulation wise. I think having that, it's a, it's a double edged sword. So having that knowledge is a positive, but it's also a negative because I think there's raw sales skills that I still lack to this day because I can become, I can think too much about the end outcome and what exactly it takes to produce that. Mm. When in sales, you shouldn't always be thinking about that. Like it's about helping the customer get to where they need to be at and make a decision. And if you're too much in your head because you're thinking about what it's like for the guys on the job site, it can be a problem. So sales, I spent a couple of years there. I've sold a few million dollars. I've done all of that. And I'll say it wasn't necessarily something I cared much for. Uh, <laughs> You'd rather be on the operation yeah. side. For clarity, I- for clarity, this is uh, business to consumer. I mean, these are residential yeah. sales. Yeah, all residential. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, And it's not that I wanted to be in the operation side of things. So like, I'm really good at operations, but like from a personality perspective, like it's not where I thrive. Mm. Like that's not my ideal position. So like being in operations, like I still necessarily wasn't happy, but I was able to get the job done because I'm just that type of personality works really well in that position. Yeah. So as you're, you know, you're, you're touching so many different areas of the company, you're basically running the business yourself. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to take away credit from anybody where credit's due, but you're doing so many different things in the company. You're also training people, like you said, that are even going on to competitors or to start their own thing. Did that ever cross your mind as you're going through this to start your own foundation company, basement company? No, no, I, I I'm a, I'm a loyal person. I mean, lawyer to a fault. Uh, I found that out the hard way, but uh, no, it didn't because I felt I was very well taken care of. I was very well compensated. I mean, could I have went out on my own and done like, yeah, but I was lawyer to where, where, where my roots were 
and the opportunities that were presented to me to continue to grow. Uh, so that really, I never, never was never a thing for me. Yeah. But obviously you did have that entrepreneurial bug uh, to go and start your own business, right? How did the idea for getting into software come about? So I've, I've, I just like software. Like it's something that I thought like I was destined to go into at some point in time. What softwares, really quick, what softwares were you using at the previous company? So a lot of our own stuff uh, and a lot of stuff that was very unique to us. So nothing okay. that you can just buy mainstream. Oh, so you guys are doing custom software builds at your own. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. So for the network we were involved with, we had all of our own software that was very specific to what we did. It was one okay. of our competitive advantages. Gotcha. Very cool. Okay. So then you, you skip, you've always been interested in software. You get the bug. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just naturally a visionary. Like that's where I naturally fit. Like I just my, having the, the greater vision and I was really digging into customer experience not just for us, but like industry wide and communication kept coming up. Like that's what you always see is like every, the first article was written in like 91 that said the top three things that would throw a project off in residential construction. Number two was communication. <laughs> so we've been talking about it. We've been talking about it for over 30 years, but it's never, there's never been a solution. And one night I was laying in bed and it hit me and I was like a, if the software existed that just got homeowners and contractors and builders on the same page and made sure the same people were talking or the right people were talking to the right people. So working as like air traffic control, it would fix all of these problems. And one of my big things with construction tech is a lot of it just comes out of Silicon Valley without any industry standard. And there's a big shift in this happening right now where you have a lot of guys coming from the industry that are just like, I'm just going to build the solution I need. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I set out on that journey was how do I go build this? It was a real uphill batter. I got a lot of no's because people were like, hey, great idea, but you're probably not the guy. I'm like, BS, I am the guy. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? I'm not the guy. Like me myself is one of the reasons this would be successful. And uh, it took me a while, but in 2021, I got accepted into the Tenets Incubator. Over 23,000 companies applied. I was one of less than 100 that got accepted. That led to my relationship with Project 10K and Jared Yellen. And in February of this year, we went live. Wow. Hey, I have, I have two quick questions. One, you said back in 91 or 81, they had three top things that affect uh, construction and communication was two. Well, uh -huh. what, do you remember what one and three were? <laughs> no, I do not. Oh, okay. Well, I did. I was going, I wonder what the other ones were. What's above communication? I don't know. Maybe cash. Probably bet, communications above cash. But I bet you can um, go find that article somewhere. Can you, what's the name of your software? And uh, you're kind of leading in. I'm getting, guessing that it's got a lot to do with communication, but can you describe it? What's the name and, and then what, what, what it does? Yeah, absolutely. So it's Builder Comms. And what we do is we're a completely web-based platform for builders and contractors. So you can access it from tablets, cell phones, to desktops, to laptops, and we're completely customer-facing. So we get all of your communication. So think 
all the emails, all the text messages, everything that you have out there. Uh, we get it all in one place. We organize it per project and we build out an app that your homeowners download, your clients, and that's where all communication goes through. And we do pictures, documents, videos, all of that, and we're completely customer facing. And where the magic happens is the channels of communication that we build in there. So say your, your homeowner has a question about the schedule. We make sure they're talking to the person at your company that's in charge of the schedule, not the sales rep, not marry the receptionist that don't have the answers. The industry standard is, hey, sorry, I'm not the guy. And then the customer never hears back because we get caught at the coffee pot having a conversation and then we never hand off the sticky note to the right person to be able to have that conversation. So we make sure that your clients are always talking to the right people at the company, whether that's yourself or you have a staff. And then we get it all organized per project. So it's super easy to go in and look at each one of the projects instead of chasing down all the stuff that is involved in communication right now today. We, uh, man, you are so on it. I've got a client today at one thirty, and that's our major, major problem is communications. And we're trying, so we may be sending people your way here quickly, but I have an attorney and he was a client and he was complaining that people don't, didn't get things done. And I said, well, how do you communicate what you want done? You know, post-it notes, met you in the hallway, text, email, and maybe a telephone call. And I said, are you kidding me? You know, we talk about it a lot, Cleo, one place to look so that people know I need to go there. I'm, my brain is fried, but I need to go here and I can see what's going on. I think this is beautiful. Yeah. It's amazing you bring up, bring up attorney. Attorneys love me. Because, you know, in construction, lawsuits happen. And what is always the hardest thing is getting the documentation from yeah. any of the community. Like, we now have a record of this. Because a lot of times somebody will quit. They take all those text messages with them and you don't have access to it. Or you just can't get all the emails and all the messages and get it in one place. So anytime I talk to an attorney, they are like, your solution everybody should oh. use. Just from a protection standpoint. Hey, this came up yesterday with another client. We were talking about he got stiffed a few. He's a new client. And he got stiffed for about 50 grand from a home builder. And he's a young guy and they bullied him. I mean, he learned. It was a great learning experience. But he got bullied and it cost him 50 grand. A little more than that. And we were talking about preserving, setting up a system that preserves your lien rights. So you have to gather the data up front for what to, what, uh, you need in order to prepare a lien. You have a record of the last day you worked there. And here in Oklahoma, it's 90, 90 days from the date you last did work. You have to file your lien before that. So you have a tickler pop up 10 days before and say, hey, do we need to look at this instead of finding out, oh, if I'd have filed that three weeks ago, I could have had a lien on these guys. So there's, a, I mean, this is, this is great. Yeah. So walk us through just a little bit of like, you know, Maybe I know that it's kind of structured around projects. Let's just kind of walk through a project that goes through builder comms uh, and the mm -hmm. timeline of it and how it impacts not just the customer, but also the internal company. Yeah, absolutely. So there's two different ways you can utilize it from the start. I got guys that utilize it in the sales process. So immediately when they make contact with that customer and they're going through the sales process, they use it as a differentiator. 
they take communication off the board because that is one of the objections people face is like, how are you going to communicate with me throughout this project? So I got guys that introduce it right away, say, hey, we use builder comms. You're going to download this app. This is where all of our communication is going to go through. And then I have guys that use it once the sale has happened. Is that that's where they kick it off. Customer information, customer gets an email. Once they move forward with the project saying to go download this, download the BuilderCom's app. And this is where all the communication will go through. And that immediately starts the process. Super easy. If you can use Facebook, you can use BuilderCom's. Like I'm a non-technical guy. So you can imagine what kind of software I'm responsible for building. (laughs) Very easy to utilize, very intuitive because that's all we had to do. Like we didn't need to revolutionize how people communicated. We just had to revolutionize how it went in and where it went and how people talked to the right people. And what ends up happening is you can have unlimited users on there admin settings so say you have a sales manager he's in charge of the sales channel you have a production manager operations manager uh project manager they're in charge of that general that project channel you have somebody that runs the calendar they're in charge of that scheduling channel you have a service manager that's in charge of all the inquiries after where the project is done they're in charge of that channel. So you set up the admin settings so the guys have the right admin to be able to be in the channel. And then you can have crew guys and foremen who all they can do is come in and put in high-level updates into the status feed, which I say is like a Facebook, Instagram feed. It's just a live feed of what's happening on the project. So they can say, hey, we're 30 minutes out. Boom, it goes in there. Homeowner gets a notification on their phone that the guys are 30 minutes out. They can add pictures right in there. All right, we're wrapping up for the day. Here's some progress pictures, boom. And it becomes part of the living document that is that project. And now from a a homeowner perspective, homeowners can go in there, whether you're at the house or you're across the country and have direct access to the right people at that company and also be able to see what's going on. Any documents, any pictures, ask questions. So 35% of time, on a residential project is wasted because of communication breakdowns. And what I have found is a lot of that is on the front end. That's because customers aren't empowered to ask the questions they wanna ask before the crew shows up. Because what we're here is, man, the sales guy don't know the answer to this. I'll wait till the guys get out here. Well, Mm. this could be a a job critical question that might change something. So you, the crew goes out there, next thing the homeowner's asking them these questions and come to find out he wanted a different color roof or something, whatever it is. And that delays that project. You now wasted the crew going out there when if that homeowner felt empowered to ask that question because he knew he was going to be asking the right person, you could have had that conversation prior, could have got the change order done, could have then also rescheduled it if it wasn't going to happen, be able to happen on the same timeline. And now we have these open lines of communication to where now we're saving the time. Not only are we saving the time of having to search through these messages, I had a builder tell me is one of the greatest time savers for him is that he can just go right in there and go into the project and look at all the all the communications. Because beforehand, if he had a guy that was out, he runs a big electric, electrical company, 
Uh, if he had a guy message him and say, ask, what kind of outlets are we installing in this house? It then took him 25 minutes to go through all his emails, find a specific email that said, this is what we want. Now with Buildercoms, he can go right in there or better yet, his guy can go right in there because his guy has access to those communications mm. and he can look and see, boom, this is the outlet we're installing. So now it saves that owner time and it saves time on the job site as well. Yeah. Man, I, I love I love what you're doing with builder comms and I it's obvious that you've had you've gone through these issues yourself. And I think that's what's unique also is that it, this is built for contractors, but it's built to buy a contractor, which is really fantastic. I wanna hear from like a business perspective for you, what are as you're developing this software company, as you're growing the company and trying to bring on more customers developing new features, all that kind of stuff. What are the biggest challenges for you in running this software company? <laughs> uh, I think that I'm constantly out of my, I'm not a software guy. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, the biggest, the biggest problem that you run into with any herd, with any startup, or if you start a new brick and mortar customer is just name recognition. Yeah. We're the new kids on the block. We're, we're building up that name recognition. We're getting our product into people's hands. But the biggest herder is always that, is like becoming that name that people understand this is, this is the company you deal with. Yeah. And, you know, that stuff takes time. And I understand that. And that's part of the grind in just getting out there because we build a tool that is going to drastically change how the construction industry communicates. And that kind of stuff doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, yeah, definitely. As you think about your product roadmap and the features that you currently have that you wanna improve upon and then the features that you're thinking of maybe adding to builder comms, what are the things that are like maybe coming down the pipeline or that you're working on today for tomorrow? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, integrations is gonna be a big I was one. Gonna ask. We're working on that. That was going to be a 2024 initiative. I've already started working on that because you know, we're really, uh, we're torn the tool belt. Like we work well with all the different softwares out there. So it's getting those integrations put together. So we work hand in hand with them. Uh, and then with AI, uh, one of the big things that we're working on right now is putting AI in there from a, a dialogue perspective, not from like, I'm an, I'm anti animation. <laughs> like I think that's where communication breakdowns start to happen. So I look at it is how can we integrate AI to put in like a red light, yellow light, green light on incoming messages so we yeah. can pick up on phones before guys can even know. Like if it's a situation, a homeowner might just be, you, AI could pick up that it's becoming an escalated situation before we can read into it and we could make that message yellow or we could make it red. So guys knew, oh, hey, I need to pay. Like there's stuff happening in here. Yeah. And then as well as on the contractor's builder's side to be able to run their message through something that checks their tone. Yeah, absolutely. Before they send a message out. So there's, there's stuff in the works for that. We're working on what does that look like as we continue to develop this and no, I get great feedback all the time. Now, are we going to implement everything I hear? You know, no, <laughs> no. But, 
this is built for the construction industry by the construction industry. I'm not the guy out there utilizing it every day. Yeah. So I want to, I want the feedback and we'll continue to evaluate that and figure out what do we need to add? How do we need to grow this? The one thing I can guarantee is we'll never be a CRM and we'll never be an Angie's list. Like we're going to do communication. I feel like that is where software gets all out of whack is when you try to build stuff so broad yeah. that you actually lose sight of what the main goal was. And all goal is to fix communication. Yeah. So we're going to continue to focus on that and everything we do and everything in the product roadmap will be about that. Man, this is awesome. And I just have, maybe this, I'm the only one who's curious, but who's, who's writing your code? Who's doing the software? Uh, Project 10K does all my That's uh, a company? Yep. Yep. They're a company that I partnered with that, you know, I went and found some people that are really, really good at that side of it. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, it's been a, an amazing relationship and, you know, they believe in what we're doing and, you know, we do it to other. It's not just me out here. And, right. uh, right. they, they allow me to have conversations from a non-technical perspective and work through like what is possible and what is not possible. Like just being me, like I can get really like crazy with the vision sometimes. And sometimes that stuff don't correlate, but yeah, project 10 K. They're absolutely amazing. Well, I That's love awesome. the idea of the AI used the way you did. Uh, one thing I'm sure you, you've thought of it, but is seeing what questions are most frequently asked. And you can answer those questions before they time. ask them yeah. at, the sales, at the sales meeting. These are the things that go wrong in a project. These are what you need to know. And you can modify that by with real data rather than just, I think yeah. they'll want to know this. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, so it's amazing you say that because that's one thing that came out of this that I had never even thought about was the information that we start to collect. So we yeah. have now made it. So if you're the owner of the company and you have master admins, we made it so you can come in and keyword search all your communications throughout your company for every project. And I like to use the example of saying, hey, all of our customers saying that we're on a net 30. Well, we're not on a net 30. We collect upon completion. So you're like, what's going on? You go in there and you search final payment. You find out Jimmy is telling everybody this is a net 30. <laughs> so now you have a training opportunity. You can go have a conversation with Jimmy, let him know you can train on that. But it's because we have access to information that we've never been able to have. And like you said about the questions, so marketing departments can, and sales departments can start going in there. This is way over my head. This isn't why I built the software, <laughs> but this is what I'm hearing. Like this is the feedback that I'm right. getting is now we can proactively look at what questions we get on every project. And like you said, is we can start to make that part of the sales process. Yeah. We can answer these questions in our marketing and start to create this funnel beginning with the customer's that starts to eliminate the roadblocks that end up happening down the pipeline of the project. Yeah, and I think you also, uh, that's something I promote a lot, I call it a positioning document, where you know, I ask people, how many uh, remodel jobs has the contractor done? 500. How many has the homeowner done? Zero. <laughs> Who's likely to know what's gonna happen here? And they create an actual document that says, this is what you can expect from us and the mm -hmm. project, and this is what we expect from you.
and you tell them the things that'll go wrong. And people say, I don't want to tell them that. I said, no. It makes you the ultimate professional. Professional. This yeah. we try to avoid, but this frequently happens. It rains, and we are postponed for a week, right? So anyway, what a great, great I, place I to gather that, that information. Every, every builder and contractor should do what you just said. Yeah, I absolutely yeah. love that. And it, it is so, uh, it, it's life-changing in not just the document itself, but you don't go in there, humble pie, I'm the inferior, you, Mr. Customer, are the superior. We are at least equal, and I'm a pro, and I'm going to tell you how the cow ate the cabbage because I've done 300 of these, <laughs> right? And you're, if you you're got questions, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm, we're equals, and I'm a partner with you in this, and this is what I know, and we're going to keep you advised. Man, they'll, they'll, buy, they'll buy that. The right kind of customers will buy that. If they're mm -hmm. low-ball tire kickers, they won't, and you just did you both a favor. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Anyway, Mark, I think I, that's I, great. I, the, I've, maybe it's just me because I'm a new age guy, but I've never heard cow ate the cabbage. You haven't? I've never. Have, Ron, have you heard that? No, I have not. Yeah. Well, let's get it. Lie. Let's get it out there, guys. That's our marker. Oh, I got a lot of those. <laughs> Tougher than a wheel hide boot. That's marine for you, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, how I can keep going. These. I didn't come uh, you, up with them. They, they, uh, didn't come they were up. there I didn't when I was. Them, but I just don't even know how they come up. And you actually say these all the time. You know, who's really good at these is <laughs> uh, Jeff Finney has so many of these that are just yeah. like, it's like pushing a wet rope, which I've heard before, yeah. maybe just from him, but then also like faster than a duck on a June bug. Yeah. Like things no, like yeah. that. I need more of yeah. that in my vocabulary. Be beating him like a, working him like a rented mule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to start making them up at this point. <laughs> well, you know, I, I told somebody the other day, I probably have in my mind at least 3,000 quotes. I mean, I literally do. Oh, I know. But you they're do. not available on demand. You say, give me a good quote. Well, I might think of something. But the situation brings it out. Yeah. Yeah. The situation, they just come out. But you no, know, it's, yeah, you got to have a little fun in life. Oh, man. <laughs> That's great. There you go. Well, you know, one thing I do want to mention before we, you know, wrap all this up, I think you're, Software is great. Um, well, really quick, where can people, if they want to get a demo, what do they need to do? Yeah, you can go right on buildercoms.com, set up a demo. Great thing is, is being a startup, you get to talk to me directly. There you uh, go. And then you can find me on all social media. If you want to reach out that way, I can get you a link and we can get a demo set up as well. Or if you just want to pick my brain, don't hesitate to reach out. Okay, and it's buildercoms, C-O-M-S. Dot com? Yes, sir. Builder. Yep. So it's like buildercommunications.com. Yeah. Okay. And we'll put links to Buildercoms and then for your demo link as well. And then for uh, your social accounts in the, in the show notes. Um, something else we'll put in the show notes is your podcast construction champions, which I want to talk about. Um, I uh, really love what you're doing there. Tell me the inspiration behind construction champions. So it was something that. I had kicked down the road for a little bit. They, every, I had a lot of people tell me I should have a podcast. I should be doing this. I just kept kicking it down the road. And then finally one day I was like, I'm just going to do it. And I love champions. I love everything that being a champion from both aspects, the winning and just being behind something, what that means. And my goal is to bring leaders 
owners, builders, contractors, disruptors, coaches, everybody that has their foot in their construction space and have a, come on and have a conversation about what makes a construction champion. What is a construction champion? And really kick the narrative of closed door conversations that the construction industry tends to have where we, we everything's a secret. We don't want to talk about our secret sauce, but the problem is, is that the next guy's secret sauce is the same. And we would be a lot better if we would just talk about it and get it out there. So that's what I started doing. I just started having guys come on and having an open conversation on how I've had guys that are doing a million dollars and I have guys on there that are doing $200 million. And we just have a conversation about how you become a construction champion right now. What does that look like? And it excites me. It's actually become the favorite thing that I do because mm -hmm. these conversations are absolutely unbelievable. I get to spend an hour with some of the best minds in the construction space. Uh, it, it's, it's remarkable. And guys are excited about doing it. And I think the more of that out gets out there, the better. And it lives on in perpetuity. So unless they delete the internet, stuff like what we've done here today and what I do on Construction Champions podcast lives on forever. Five years from now, we could completely change somebody's business because they tuned in for an episode that right. spoke on something they were struggling with. And that to me is amazing. The you know, ability I, that I have no doubt that part of your success is that you read 60 books a year, you know, <laughs> Re leaders are readers and that might be listening or whatever, but to, to constantly have a podcast on with people talking about ideas while you're driving around, you never know when that nugget's going to hit you yeah. or maybe mm -hmm. three people say the same thing, three different ways. And it dawns on you. Oh yeah, I can <laughs> do that. Yeah. Im hugely important. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm super impressed with your, your show. It's, it's a great listen for any of our listeners that want to check out construction champions, but just the energy that you bring, like you have a, a different process than us. And that's another aspect that I want to just give you kudos for the way that you run your show. And it's just super efficient. It's super lean and you get it done, man. And I, I, from what I understand, you're doing it all yourself, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, and that I, I will say I understand what goes on in, in, in running a show, and it's 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 not for the faint-hearted, right? So uh, great job, but man, if anyone who listens will right away catch your energy. But for me, being a, a guest on the show, I just remember we jumped on a Zoom, like, all right, you ready to get started? I'm like, yeah, okay. That's and dope. then it, you didn't skip a beat, man. It was like, welcome to the construction chat. I mean, I I just I was blown away. So I, I loved it, man. Um, Really cool. So, you know, you've had, I also wanted to talk about just the dedication you've had to it. It's obviously one of your favorite things because you started at the beginning of this year. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. We started at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And you're probably going to hit a hundred episodes at the end of the year, right? Uh, if we keep on pace, there should be no reason we don't. What are, I've, we've released 54 episodes so far. So I release them two a week right now. Uh, on Mondays and Thursdays, because I just I have the content. Yeah, that's so good, man. That and that's not easy. Um, we've we've done this for three years, and two episodes a week is no joke, um, especially with scheduling guests and all that kind of right. stuff. So, great job. Keep it up. Um, you know, you've had so many already fifty four episodes. What are what's one of the best stories 
you've heard on your podcast or lessons that you've learned from one of your guests? Man, there's so many of them, as you guys know, when you get on here and you, you just have these conversations, there's so much gold in everybody you've talked to. Uh, I think one of the ones that resonates with me the most recently is understanding that you only have so much capacity. There's only about, you know, four things that you can focus on and it's okay to focus on those things. It doesn't mean that you're just throwing everything to the side or you're not fulfilling other aspects of your life. Like that's just not where your, your motivation, your direction for where your life's going is at. So uh, to me, that really hit home because that's, I'm really focused on a few key areas of my life right now from being a father to a husband to being the leader of this business and understanding that that's okay to be focused on that stuff right now. That's the season I'm in and we can tend to stretch ourselves too thin and try to be all to everything to everybody here. That doesn't allow us to get to where we want to go or where we're headed. And that, you know, that really struck a chord with me. Man, that's great. And, you know, for listeners that want to go check out the podcast, what's a, is that, do you know the episode number of that one? Or is there an episode that you want to recommend uh, anybody? I mean, that was Mike Claudio. Okay. I don't know the actor episode number, but it's his episode. We'll find it. We'll put it in the show notes if people want to listen to that one. Mike Claudio said. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Uh, man, Martin, you got any other questions for Ron? No, just great to meet you. And I love what you're doing. And I'll be talking to some people about it today. Yeah, absolutely. Two, two yeah. for sure. It's great. We love it, Ron. Um, thank you for being a part of our show. Thanks for being on the Cashflow Contractor and sharing your story, but also uh, so much wisdom with our, our, uh, our audience here. And we're, uh, we're thrilled to have you on and hope to see you again sometime. Yeah, thank you for having me. And if I can ever do anything for you guys, you know how to get a hold of me. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Ron. Thanks, Ron. Thanks for listening to The Cashflow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com.